Well, um, we have been looking at um, different metaphors for the church. Two weeks ago, Jeff talked to us about the church as the family of God. And last week, Brother Mark talked to us um, about how the church is the temple of God. And I understand I was not here, used um, some light sticks to, uh, to illustrate that. We still have some of those light sticks here today. Thanks be to God. Well, today we're going to be talking about the church how the church is the bride of Christ. And I just want to acknowledge here at the beginning that this is a metaphor that might be a little bit difficult for some of the guys in the room to connect with. Um, It reminds me of a comedy sketch that was um, put on by the Christian comedian Tim Hawkins. Some of you may have seen it. Um, It's a sketch where he makes three requests of worship leaders. And I'd like to play a little video clip, and we're going to pick up with um, advice point number three. His um, third request for worship pastors, because I think it relates to where we are today. So um, just turn your attention to the screen. Okay, so this biblical metaphor as the church, as the bride of Christ, it might not be easy for some of the guys in the crowd to connect with. And yet, um, when we come to understand what it means for us, the church of Jesus Christ, to be Jesus' holy bride, when we understand that, then we begin, be, can begin to understand um, God's will for his people. Pat just led us in that great hymn of the church. The church is one foundation. And every time we sing that hymn, we are reminded of this truth. The church is one foundation, is Jesus Christ her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. And with his blood he bought her And for her life, he died. In the last book of the Bible, the revelation to John, God literally rips open the veil that separates heaven and earth. And John catches a glimpse of what life is going to be like for us at the end of time. And what is revealed to John and recorded for us in that great book, Revelation to John, is that all of life, all of history is moving toward a great wedding feast at the end of time. Jesus will come again to claim his bride, the church. And there will be a great feast, the likes of which the world has never known. John wrote this of his vision. He said, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. That's you. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So that is where we are ultimately heading, a wedding feast where every tear will be wiped away from every eye, where every hunger will be filled to the full, and where everything that is broken is going to be mended. That's where we're going. But that is not where we are now. We are, if you will, still in the engagement period, as it were. We know that the the wedding is coming, but we haven't gotten there yet. 
When Ellen and I had been only been dating for six months, I went to our parish priest who was a friend and, and mentor, and, and in my excitement, I explained to him that I was gearing up to propose to my wife, and, or well, my, my, my girlfriend at the time, but my soon-to-be wife. And he said, Andrew, I, I'm glad you're excited, but I want to encourage you to wait. He said, dating is a whole lot of fun. Being married is a whole lot of fun. But engagement? I think he said, I don't know, I'm not going to repeat exactly what he said, but he said it's tough. Engagement is tough, and it's true. Engagement is tough. Engagement is tough because you know where you're headed. Marriage. You're eager to get there. But standing in the way is all that planning and the family tensions and all that stuff that lies in between. Well, that's where the church is. She's been betrothed to her bridegroom and savior, but the time for the wedding has not yet come. So I want to shift now from that great vision that we find at the end of the Bible in the Revelation to John. That's where we're headed. I want to shift to a teaching about our role in the here and now as the bride-to-be during our engagement period. And before I turn to this next passage, I want to warn you all to brace yourselves because we are heading into one of the most controversial and explosive passages in all of the Bible. In fact, as, we, as I begin to, to read it, as you begin to read it, if you brought your Bibles, but um, some of you may feel like your spirits are beginning to bristle. And if that's the case, if you find your spirit beginning to bristle, I want to urge you to do with your spirit what you might do for your pet dog or cat. If you saw it beginning to bristle, you would say, now, 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 there, there, Fido, and you kind of, you know, Pat down the back. Why don't you do the same with your spirit if your spirit begins to bristle as I read this text. So with that, turn with me if you have your Bibles, but I'll put it up on the screen. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5, uh, beginning with verse 22. It's a long passage, um, so if you don't have your Bibles, you can read or just listen along. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So obviously, there is a lot in here. But for our purpose today, we're going to focus on three concepts held together by one linchpin. The three concepts are submission, sanctification, 
and respect. And the linchpin that holds these three together is, of course, love. Now, what Paul is doing here is he is talking about both marriage and the church. Quoting from the book of Genesis, Paul writes in verse 31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He's talking about marriage. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. The relationship between Christ and the church helps us to understand Christian marriage. And Christian marriage helps us to understand the relationship between Christ and his church. So let's begin with submission. You know, in our culture, the word submit is a dirty word. It's a dirty word for good reason. Because we live in a fallen world. And in our fallen world, the way of our world is to dominate or be dominated. The picture of that cowering dog is the picture of what the world hears when it hears that word, submit. And so to submit from the world's perspective means that in the best case scenario, you're going to be bossed around. But in the worst case scenario, you're going to be abused, taken advantage of. We don't have to look very far to find examples of worldly leaders using their own authority to press others down in order to serve themselves. And so it's understandable that when the world hears that word, submit, it bristles like that cat or that dog. But the call of every Christian to submit to Christ and the call of wives to submit to their husbands comes in a very different context. How so? Well, first of all, this submission, however it plays out, is a submission that is freely offered in response to the love of Christ. Just look at how often that word love shows up in the passage here. Love is the foundation that makes Christian submission possible, which is totally different than submission from the world's point of view. Christian submission comes as a response to Christ's love for us on the cross. When the human heart begins to understand that that there, the cross of Jesus Christ, is an act of love for us, when the heart begins to understand that, then and only then can we respond with our willing, loving submission to him. Paul writes in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You see, it was Jesus Christ who initiated this process, who made the first step, who first gave up his life as an offering of love for us so that we might see his act of love and respond voluntarily. Jesus does not force us to follow him. He calls us to follow him. And those whom he calls, he gives us the heart to respond by submitting our lives to him and to his service. Now, we all know that in Charleston, traffic is terrible. I saw an article that Charleston's becoming the new Atlanta. Some of you came out of Atlanta. It's terrible, that is, except on Sunday mornings. You're not likely to face traffic on a Sunday morning. And that's because Jesus, 
even though he is worthy of all praise, even though he has the right to demand our worship, he does not force us to praise him. He does not force us to submit to him. No, he chose instead to show us his heart of love and to call on us to respond. Now, many of you all know my wife, Ellen. My wife, Ellen, as, as Jeff can attest, is a feisty New England Yankee, a very feisty woman. And I can guarantee you that if I had ever said to her, woman, you need to submit to me, she would have responded, I don't think so, but in much more colorful language, having grown up around sailors. And she'd be right to do so. Because Christian submission is never compelled or forced. Never. The role of the husband is to be the first in showing sacrificial love to his wife so that her heart might be moved to respond with voluntary and willing submission to the spiritual leadership of her husband. And I want to emphasize this point. That if a husband were to demand that his wife were to submit, then in that moment he has stepped outside of God's will for marriage. For Christ himself does not force us to submit. And to understand this, we need to turn to the Gospels and to read our Lord's own words, his own teaching about what true Christian leadership and headship and authority is. You've got a Bible, you can turn with me to the Gospel according to Mark, but I'll put it here on the screen Beginning with Mark chapter 10, verse 42, Jesus said this. You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Why? For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many, to give his life as a ransom for you. Authority and headship in the kingdom of God means being the first to serve, the first to lay down one's life for the other, the first to sacrifice what one wants for the good of others. If you want a picture of what Christian leadership is, then these are those, that's the picture. Christ demonstrating his love by taking the form of a menial servant, stooping down to wash his disciples' feet. And Christ giving up his life to save the people he loves. That's a picture of Christian leadership. That is a picture of Christian authority. That is a picture of Christian headship. The first to serve. The first to give up one's own self-interest for the ministry of others. Major Dick Winters was the commander of Easy Company, 506th Regiment, 101st Airborne Division during the latter part of World War II. I'm sure many of you saw his life on display in that great HBO series, Band of Brothers. One of his men, Bill Garnier, said this of Major Winters. He said, when he, that is in major winners, said, let's go, he was right in the front. He was never in the back. A leader personified. He was a good man, a very good man. I would follow him to hell and back. So would the men from E Company. 
Friends, those, those are the words of a man who submitted to the authority of his leader, not because his rank demanded it, though of course it did. No, these are the words of a man who saw that his leader came not to be served, but to serve. Bill Gagnier saw that major winners led the way. And so what really drove the men of easy company was not rank, again, although rank certainly was there, but what drove them was a love for their leader who had loved them first. Their submission was ultimately in response to major winners loving, self-sacrificing leadership. That's the kind of spiritual leadership that husbands are called to display to their wives, for that is the kind of leadership for Jesus displays for his bride, the church. And once the human heart begins to understand that, then the heart will be willing to submit to Jesus and to follow him to hell and back if that is what is required. So Christian submission is always willing, voluntary submission. Never compelled. A willing, voluntary submission given in response to the love of Christ who loved us first. And when the church of God gives her willing submission to the bridegroom, then the bridegroom begins to do something in us, his bride, the church. He sends his Holy Spirit to begin to do a work in our hearts. The Holy Spirit begins to change us from the inside. He begins to sanctify us. Going back to this passage in Ephesians, Paul explained it this way in verse 25. He said, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That word sanctify means to make us like saints, to make us holy, to make us like Christ. Sanctify comes from the Latin word sanctus, from which we get our word saint, Uh, Incidentally, um, there's that hymn that we sing whenever we have communion um, where we sing, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, Sanctus, 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 Dominus Deus Sabaoth, holy, holy. That's what the Holy Spirit comes to do in his bride, to make us holy, to make us like Christ, to make us into saints. And he does that again by placing his spirit within us. Now, friends, we are not yet holy. You may not have realized that when you got up in the morning and looked into the mirror, but we are not yet holy. But Christ Jesus, the bridegroom, is holy. And he's always at work making us holier, purifying his bride. Likewise, husbands are to love their wives by encouraging their holiness, encouraging them in prayer, encouraging them in virtue, and by leading by example. You all have heard that saying. It's a terrible saying. It's an awful saying. Do as I say, not as I do. Well, that saying is offensive to the spirit of Christ. It's offensive to Christian leadership. Christ never says to his bride, do as I say, not as I do. No, Christ says to his bride, do as I do. Become like me. Come, my bride, and I will make you holy. Likewise, husbands, are called to submit to Christ, to confess daily, Jesus, I am not holy. I am not like you. So please come as you have promised into my heart and make me holy. Make me like you more and more every day. And friends, he will. He will. 
Now, we may not always be able to, de to detect it. We may not always be able to see it. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, he is ever sanctifying us, ever making us more like him. And that brings us to the last concept we're going to touch on today, and that is uh, respect. Paul writes in verse 33, Let each one of you love his, love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And I think that what Paul is getting at here at the end of this section is that we, the bride of Christ, the church of Christ, will always, not always feel like respecting our Lord. That's reality. And what do I mean? Well, take a look at this dog. What, what does this dog want to do? What does it feel like doing? You know, it wants to grab the bone. It does not feel like waiting here for his master's command. He wants to gobble that thing down. And if we could use this as a picture for the human spirit, sometimes our obedience to Christ will be more a matter of the will than a matter of the heart. Sometimes it's going to be like that. In other words, there are going to be times when we, the betrothed bride of Christ, do not feel like submitting to the bridegroom. We want to do what we want to do. But in these times, Paul reminds us, church, respect the bridegroom. And respecting him means asking him to give us the will to choose what is right, even when we don't feel like it. Take Sunday morning worship, for example. Now, I don't think anyone here today debates that God is worthy of our worship, at least for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning. I mean, surely if Jesus is who he says he was, and surely if Jesus hung in agony on the cross for us, then giving him our focused attention for a couple of measly hours on a Sunday morning, that's not too much to ask, is it? And yet Sunday morning rolls around. This is what our hearts be like. But God, speaking through his apostle Paul, says this, Honey, my bride, I can see that you do not feel like submitting to me. But I'm asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to respect me and to follow where I lead, even when you don't feel like it. In fact, if you will only open your heart to my Holy Spirit, then in time I'll begin nurturing within you the yearning to follow where I lead. But until that yearning comes, I'm asking you to respect me because I have always and will always love you. So, three concepts held together by the linchpin of God's love. Submission, sanctification, respect. May God grant us the vision to see his love, to behold his love. And beholding that love on the cross to respond with our hearts that he might make us his holy bride. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we stand in awe that you would stoop down to make us your church, broken and unworthy as we are, to be your holy bride. Grant us, we pray, the grace to behold your heart, that we might respond with our willing submission and respect, and in opening our hearts to you, we might receive the gift of your Holy Spirit to sanctify us, and to make us what we are not, holy, like you. 
For we ask these things in your precious and powerful name. Amen.